Turning your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're in the series called Letters from the Forgiven Fisherman. And uh, I really have enjoyed personally my study in this. I went through 1 Peter and now we're in 2 Peter. It's not as long as 1 Peter, but uh, there's some really good stuff. Some of this stuff is not new. We've heard this before. You've heard things like this before. So there's not a whole lot of new stuff here. But we do need to be reminded of some very important things. Um, the Apostle Peter was quite a personality. And, uh, and he recognized that and he sensed the importance of personality. The Apostle Peter had some amazing experiences, including one where he went and saw the Lord Jesus glorified on the top of the Mount of Transfiguration and heard the voice of God with his own ear. And uh, he had followed the Lord Jesus for years uh, during his ministry. He saw people raised from the dead. He saw sick people get better. He saw even Malchus, his ear getting put back on after Peter had grabbed a sword and cut it off there in the Garden of Gethsemane. He'd seen many miraculous things. Wonderful experiences that he had. But the thing that really stuck out in Peter's mind, and is one that ought to stick out in our mind, is that the, is the importance of God's word, and knowing it for yourself, and recognizing it as the final authority. And so that's where we are today. The title of the message is, Better Than an Eyewitness. Uh, better Than an Eyewitness. Uh, let's, let's look at, our, look at the passage here. Second Peter chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse 12. We read some of these verses last week, but we'll read them again in context here. First Peter cha- or Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased." And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawneth, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Father, we pray that as we review this passage of Scripture, and some maybe have never seen this before, that the truths that are in it will be cemented into our hearts. Help us to use what you've given to us to influence others for the glory of the Lord. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that you help us to be students of the Word and who are willing to submit to it whatever it says. Help us now as we go through this passage. Give us strength. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
As I said before, Peter was one of those really dynamic personalities. He was very powerful. He was a big fisherman. I, I can imagine that he and I would probably identify a lot. Big, bigger people than most people are. But he had a younger brother named Andrew. And Andrew was pretty timid. And if you go into the Gospel of John, you see where John, or his brother Andrew was the first one to meet Jesus, even before Peter did. And John was, with, was one of those disciples of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist had pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew said, I'm not going to follow you anymore. Then I'm going after him. And, uh, and he went and followed the Lord Jesus and wanted to know where he went and, uh, and that sort of thing. And he, and, he, and he fell in love with the Lord. And then he said, This is the Christ. And though he was timid and though he was shy and though he was kind of backward, maybe socially... He said, I'm still going to tell my brother. He's big and boisterous and tough. And then from that time on, Andrew kind of slid, slides off in the background and Peter steps up front and his personality takes over. And yet Andrew was faithful. I guess part of what I want you to see, you saw the points there, personalities are powerful and experiences are helpful and God's word is, is final. Those are the main points for the message today. You may not have a personality like the Apostle Peter, big and boisterous, and everybody stands up or notices when you step into the room. You may be more timid like Andrew, but that doesn't mean your personality doesn't matter. That doesn't mean that who you are cannot be powerful. Peter would not have come to Christ if timid Andrew hadn't spoken to him first. You be faithful with the personality that God gave to you, and you accomplish what God wants you to accomplish with it. Peter grew. He grew in the Lord fast. He, became, he was definitely a leader. The Apostle Paul even included Peter in a list of those that he thought were pillars of the church. James, Peter, James, and John. Uh, in, uh, in Galatians chapter 2, that's what Paul called Peter. I, he's a pillar of the church. He's a powerful person. Personalities can be very powerful. And uh, Peter wanted to use his personality in the right way. I'm thankful for personalities that I've had in my life. My goodness, as a child, I remember seeing a, a little short preacher step into our church. And he was about blind. And, he, and, and I remember, because we, we cleaned the church, we were there when nobody else was around. And this little short preacher was losing his eyesight. And this little short preacher... When he was getting ready to preach, he would have to get these special glasses out that had little, looked like, I thought when I was a kid, I thought they had stuck communion cups on the tip of his glasses. They were big long things that stuck out on the end of his glasses. It was because he needed cornea transplants and he hadn't done it. And you know what that preacher was doing? With those communion cups stuck to the front of his glasses, he was sitting there reading his Bible. And he was studying his Bible. He was remembering his Bible. And Ron Comfort was one of the great preachers that influenced me personality-wise when I was a boy. I got to hear some of the old guys. John R. Rice. I got to hear Fred Brown. I got to hear, um, oh my goodness, Monk Parker. I got to hear Phil Schuler. Phil Schuler. How many of you remember Phil Schuler? Talk about a personality. Man, that guy could tell stories. He'd have you laughing one minute, crying the next minute. But he always could get through with a message, right? Thank the Lord for personalities like that. He was preaching when I was called to preach at a youth camp. And I said, no, I'm not doing that. And then four years later, our church had him back and he preached again. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And that's when I started getting ready for the ministry. 
Thank the Lord for personalities. I thank the Lord for the personalities of grandparents who love the Lord and parents who love the Lord. I thank the Lord for a Sunday school teacher. Mrs. Cripe, you would never know her. I'm sure she's in heaven today. For years and years and years and years, that dear old lady taught little children Sunday school. And she taught us that God loves you and you need to read your Bible and you need to go to church. And here's a flannel graph picture and move it around. I'm thankful for people like that. I'm thankful for people like that. You might not think that your personality is worth a whole lot. But if you use your gifts and abilities, you can be very helpful in the cause of Christ. Peter wanted to use his personality for the cause of Christ. Look in First Peter, or Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. He said he wanted to use his personality for reminding the forgetful. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. What things? The things we talked about last week, that symphony of sanctification, all those things you need to add to your faith, virtue and knowledge and temperance. Peter says, I'm going to use my personality to remind you of those things, because sometimes we tend to forget those things. I noticed today, Pastor used a definition that we've heard many, 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 many times about what the fear of God is. How many of you remember hearing that before? How many of you think you could probably quote that by yourself? And yet I didn't turn it off because I said I needed to be reminded of this. He used his personality to remind us of something that we needed to know. That's what Peter said. My personality is to be used for to remind people of things they need to know. Reminding the forgetful. How many of you are forgetful? Aren't you glad somebody says, hey, I know where your keys are when, you, when you've lost them. I'm so glad my wife is around. She helps me remember things that I forget. But I'm also thankful for pastors. I'm thankful for friends who remind me of scriptural things that I tend to forget. Peter wanted to use his personality for reminding the forgetful, for challenging the unmotivated. Verse 13, look at that. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 13. You think, yet I, yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Don't you like it when a preacher preaches something that kind of rouses you a little bit and gets you excited and gets you thinking about these things? We need to be stirred up once in a while, don't we? Don't you, don't you hate going to church and just falling asleep? No, no, don't do that. You need to have somebody stir you up and say, listen, you used to do this. Why aren't you doing this anymore? Listen, you know you need to do this. Why aren't you doing this? Thank the Lord for some people who stir us up. And remind us of what we need to be do, doing. Challenging the unmotivated. Challenge, sometimes we do get unmotivated. Especially Sunday afternoon, 1.30 after lunch. We get unmotivated. Let me challenge you to be faithful to this service. Learn something that can help you in your walk. Verse 14. Informing the inattentive. Knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle. Even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. He knew something that the inattentive didn't know. He knew he was getting up in years. Back when Jesus was alive and Peter was with him, in the book of John, I think it is, Jesus turned to Peter and said, when you are older, you will be carried off in a way you don't want to know, don't want to go. And it's going to be time for you to go. And you will be leaving this world. And uh, Peter was aware that he was getting up in years. It could be also that the Holy Spirit had told him, 
get ready, Peter, it's coming. I don't know how exactly he knew, but he knew his time was coming to an end. And so Peter informed, he used his personality to inform his followers, I'm not always going to be here. You better pay attention to what I'm trying to share with you right now. I'm not always going to be here. He informed the inattentive. They were, some people don't pay attention to these things and they don't notice these things. But Peter did inform them. He used his personality for influencing the future. Verse 15, 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. Again, I told you about those personalities in my life. My dad. I'm so thankful for my dad teaching me early on the value of scripture. I'm so thankful for my father teaching us the value of being in church and being active in church and being involved in the ministry. He's been in heaven for 50 years, but he left a legacy. And you and I need to serve faithfully the Lord the same way, using our personalities to leave a legacy of faithfulness that others can follow after we're gone, whenever that time is. Peter used his personality for that. Personalities are powerful. Thank the Lord for personalities. Thank the Lord for experiences. The next point, experiences are helpful. Again, we told you about that experience that Peter had. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice came from heaven, which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. That mount, that experience confirmed to them that Jesus Christ was God. And they confirmed his majesty. Sometimes experiences remind us of how great God is. We go to a camp meeting. We go to a conference. We go to a church service. Sometimes it's just a Bible study with a friend and a verse pops out. And we have this experience. And I remember when God got a hold of me regarding that truth. Experiences. And then you remember the experience and then you remember the lesson that you learned for you. You kind of tag a truth onto an experience sometimes. Sometimes an experience confirms God's messenger, verse 17. Paul heard the words, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. After that, he knew for sure Jesus is the messenger that I'm supposed to follow. Jesus is the one that I need to learn from. Jesus is the one who's going to show me the way of salvation. You know, sometimes you hear a preacher and you go, yeah, that experience tells me that guy really is walking with the Lord. That man really knows his Bible. That man really has had uh, uh, some, he, he, that man can help me walk with the Lord. And sometimes it's a woman, a Sunday school teacher, uh, uh, somebody who works in children's church. That lady's walking with the Lord. And so I know I need to listen to what she has to say. Sometimes it's a parent. But it confirms that that, that an experience tells you that person really knows what they're doing. Sometimes you have the experience where somebody gets up and they just fumble and fall and they don't say anything and you say, oh, that's not somebody to follow. Experiences help us to sort out who we should follow. Experiences sometimes confirm God's message. Verse 18, this voice came from heaven. We heard 
when we were with him in the holy mountain. You go to a camp meeting and you hear a verse that pops out. You go to a revival meeting or you go to a a seminar and something pops out and you say, yes, that is a truth. And you remember the seminar, you remember the camp meeting, you remember the church service, you remember the meeting, you remember the experience. Sometimes you have an automobile accident and the Lord will bring a, a verse to your mind to comfort you. You spend some time in the hospital and somebody will bring along a verse that sticks with you. And that message reminds you, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Or whatever verse it was, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. Whatever the experience, maybe it's a funeral. Whatever it is, those experiences sometimes confirm in our minds the message of truth. Experiences can be helpful. Man, you talk about experiences. Look in your Bibles at Matthew chapter 17 for just a minute. I want you to see the experience that Peter and James and John had there on that mountain. Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 8. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up unto an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. That wasn't special lighting. That was the glory of God. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias walking, talking with him. That was something to see. Moses and Elias hadn't been around in a long time. What an experience. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, one for Elias. He didn't know what to do. While he spake, and behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. A voice from heaven. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Quite an experience. Moses had an experience. I think that's why God brought him to the top of the mountain that day. Look in Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34, way back in the Old Testament. This is an experience that cemented some truths in in Moses' mind. Exodus chapter 34, verses 4 through 8. Moses hewed two tables of stone like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning and went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him. And took in his hand the two tables of stone, and the Lord descended in the cloud, and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, And they will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children under the third and under the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Look at verse 29. What an experience. He's hearing the voice of God. He's seeing the glory of God. Verse 29. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone. 
And they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them. And Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him. And Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh. And he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses at the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. You see, that experience changed Moses. He became like the Lord because of that experience. Experiences can be helpful. Elisha and Elijah had some experiences. Look at 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2. I think this is why Moses and Elijah may have been on that top of that mountain there at the transfiguration. 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 9. Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, you have this experience... When I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, and behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind up into heaven. And Elisha saw it, experience. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. And he took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither. And Elisha walked over. And when the sons of the prophets which were to view at Jericho saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Experiences can change you. They can, they can help you to become more like the Lord. They can help you to grow and become more useful in the cause of Christ. It's good to have experiences. That's why when we have camp meetings, when we go off to camp, men's retreats, ladies' retreats, youth camps, revival meetings, special meetings at Easter time, Christian Life Conference, whatever we have, the ladies' meeting they had last week, those are good experiences for you that will help you to nail down truths in your lives and to help you to become more like the Lord. Experiences can be helpful. Nothing wrong with experiences. You want an experience, the greatest experience is to go out and lead somebody to the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch that person be transformed. All of those things are very important. But sometimes experiences can lead us astray. And we need to be aware of that. Look in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. Every once in a while I'll have somebody come along to me and say, I had this experience. I saw an angel. I spoke in tongues. I, I felt a tingling in my toes all the way to the top of my head. And I want to know where the electric fence was. But there's all kinds of things that come to our minds, these experiences that people have. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. I am amazed that you're so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of God for a different gospel, which is really not another. 
Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, he is to be accursed, as we have said before. So I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received in the word, he is to be accursed. You know, sometimes we have experiences. You go to a concert, you're moved emotionally. Sometimes you hear a preacher and you're moved emotionally. Sometimes you go through an experience and, or you might see something and you're moved emotionally. Check every experience by the Word of God. Make sure it matches up with the Word of God. Don't let your experiences run your life. They can be helpful if they point you to the book, if they point you to the Lord. They can distract you. They can get you sidetracked. You can say, but the Bible says this, but I felt this. Well, then who cares what you felt? Get back to the book. Get back to the book. Personalities are powerful. But don't just follow men. Every preacher who stands in this pulpit or any pulpit you ever go to, you better check everything they're saying by this book. Because personalities can lead you astray. Experiences can lead you astray. God's word will never lead you astray. Personalities are powerful. Experiences are helpful. But God's word is final. Second Peter chapter 11, look there for just a minute. Again, experiences. Let's look at this one more time before we get into the word of God and the finality of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, if you have received another spirit, which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Verse 13. Such are false prophets, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transfigured into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. There are going to be some personalities. There are going to be some experiences that look really good. But they don't match up with this. Go back to this. One more passage on that. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4 verse 1. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Don't believe everything you see or hear. Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Why? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard, whereof ye have heard it, that it should come, and even now already is in the world. There's a lot of false teaching out there. There are a lot of exciting experiences that can lead you astray. There are a lot of personalities that can take you away from the Lord. It's important that you know your Bible. 
it's important that you read it for yourself. Now go back to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. Any personality, any experience, any book, any movie, any movement, any school, any song, etc., that does not line up with the clear teachings of the Word of God is to be rejected as something that will hinder you in your walk with the Lord. God's word is final. 2 Peter 1, 19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star appear, arise in your heart. God's word is final in, it, in its authority. Peter saw the glory of God on the mountain. Peter saw Jesus raise people from the dead. Peter saw Jesus feed 5,000 people at one time and 4,000 people at another time. He saw Jesus walking on the water. He saw Jesus calm a storm in the middle of the night. And he said, I know something better than that, the Bible. I think sometimes when we read those stories in the Gospels, we say, I wish I'd have been there to see that. That would have been exciting. I wish I'd have gotten to know the Apostle Paul. Well, someday you will, if you know the Lord. I wish I'd have seen Samson rippling muscles in that. Well, maybe someday you will. But right now, you have the record. That's all you need. It's all you need. God's word is final in its authority. God's word is final in its intent. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Pastor and I were talking about this verse earlier this week, and it's really hard to understand it and why, why interpretation even has anything to do with this. Because we're talking about origin. Where did the Bible come from? Who cares what anybody interprets it to be? Where did it come from? It is the word of God. And I don't care what you think about it. I don't care what Dr. Fahrenheit thinks about it. I think what the word says is what it means. And I'm going to read it for myself. And I'm going to understand it for myself. And I'm going to do my best to grasp what he's saying. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit who lives within me, who will guide me into all truth, to understand what God's word is saying to me. This is why every year at Hamilton Square Baptist Church, we encourage you, January 1, get your Bible, read through it this year. Read through it this year. Read through it next year. I'm always encouraged to see those who do. By the way, it's what, September? No, it's October. Are you going to make it? Have you been sticking with it? You can get back on track. It's still possible. You can get it done. Know your Bible. You won't understand it, understand it the first time. You won't understand it the second time. You might have to read it 120 times like Pastor has before you understand it. No. You keep reading it. God will tell you what you need to know. God's word is final in its authority. It's final in its intent. He wants us to know what he wants us to know. God's word did not originate in the heart and mind of any individual. 
it wasn't Peter's idea to write the book of Peter. It wasn't Paul's idea to write all those letters that he wrote. It wasn't Matthew's idea to write the Gospel of Matthew. It wasn't Moses' idea to write the first five books of the Pentateuch. It wasn't whoever's idea it was that wrote the book of Job. It wasn't anybody's idea to write the book of Hebrews. It wasn't John's idea to write the book of Revelation. This was all God's idea. And he moved in the hearts of those people. And he put the thoughts and the words into their minds. And he used their personalities and their writing style for it to be recorded for you and me. It's the word of God. God wants us to know what he says. If you can read the Hebrew and the Greek, read the Hebrew and the Greek. But if you can't, get you a good, solid Bible translation that takes you to the Word of God directly and clearly so you can understand it. And get one that is a literal translation, not just somebody's thoughts about a translation. Get a good one. You want recommendations, we can give those to you. Verse 21, God's Word is final in its authorship. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The New American Standard says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So who wrote this book? God wrote this book. The Creator wrote this book. The one who designed it all, the one who will bring it all to the end, the one to whom eventually we're all going to give an account wrote this book. It's important that we know what he says. We want to know his mind. We want to know his heartbeat. We want to know the message he has for you and me. That's why we need to read it. Someone wrote this, the inspired writers of the sacred scriptures were holy men of God who were moved, born along, guided, impelled by the Holy Spirit, The Spirit so guided their thoughts and writings without suppressing their individual writing styles and vocabularies that they composed and recorded without error in their original manuscripts the the exact words God intended. There's some passages of Scripture that will help you to get this solid in your mind. Write these down. I'll read them. You can write the passages down and look at them later on. Because sometimes we do have doubts, don't, don't we? 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. King David, who wrote the book, most of the book of Psalms, walked with the Lord, the sweet psalmist of Israel. This is what he said about how he wrote the Bible, wrote his part of the Bible. Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 2, The Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. God spoke directly through me. And he said he knew it was from God. God doesn't want to hide anything from us. Look at Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Or you can write it down and look at it later if you like. Romans 15 and verse 4. We're getting close to the end here. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, the scriptures, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. God wants us to know what he wants us to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. I'll read these verses to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9. But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Peter would have had nothing to write 
if God hadn't inspired him to do so. David would have had nothing to write if God hadn't inspired him to do so. All of the various books all came directly from God. Through revelation, through inspiration, through illumination. And a verse that my father taught me years ago, wrote it in the first Bible he ever gave me, and it stuck when I was a little guy. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it's breathed out by God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Peter wanted to make sure that everybody understood that the message that he had for them was not about his personality. It had nothing to do with it. It wasn't about his experiences, though he had some really amazing ones. Peter said, I want you to know God gave me this. And I want you to have it. And I want you to share it with others. What happened to Moses when he heard the word of God and received the word of God? His face glowed, right? One final passage of scripture I want to show you. Look there with, you, with me if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13. Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses has read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. The idea here is you have to know the Lord before you can understand his Bible. You have to know the Lord before the Bible makes sense to you. Until you know the Lord, you read it and it's a foreign language to you. Even if it's in English, it's a foreign language to you. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit, the author of scripture. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty to understand what God wants us today to, to know. Verse 18, but we all... With open face beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. We're looking at the Bible. It's like a mirror that points out everything about me. And it shows me things about the Lord. And we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. You want your life to be what it ought to be? You want to grow in the Lord? Don't be a follower of men. Don't be a sermon taster and a looker for experiences. Be a reader of the word. Study it for yourself. Know it for yourself. And when a false prophet shows up, or a bad leader shows up, you'll know. When a bad experience comes up, you'll say, eh, that, I don't know where that came from. That angel sitting on the foot of my bed probably didn't come from God because it said something different. It's important that we know what God has said. So, Read your Bible. If you're off track, get back on track. It's not here to beat you up. It's to remind you to get back at it. Trust your Bible. Check everything, everyone, by the Bible. You'll never know who's telling you the truth if you don't read it for yourself.
be a student of the word. Father, we thank you so much that you have given to us your mind through the pages of scripture. And Lord, it's still a mystery somehow it all, how it all got to us, but we're grateful that it's here. And we recognize it when we read it. And we know that the Holy Spirit within us guides us into all truth. So Lord, help us to do our part. And then, Lord, help us to use our personalities in the right way and to be reminded through experiences of how good you are. But help us most of all be faithful to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.